God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. That the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain sect. Hallelujah. So this weekend is not a normal weekend because it's Easter. The idea is that this is the season where Jesus was crucified and he resurrected. So he was crucified on the Good Friday and then he resurrected on the Easter Sunday. I'm sure in this period, there'll be a lot of reference to Jesus' crucifixion and then the resurrection as well. Amen. Yeah. So it happens that what I believe the Lord wanted us to share, it actually relates to the season very well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So for this special program, we'll be considering the purpose of suffering the purpose of suffering. Hallelujah. And I believe that by the time we are done, God would have helped us immensely. Amen. The Lord would have helped us immensely. There is a lot that we are going to discuss. And the Lord seeks to open our eyes concerning certain things that because of certain assumptions that we have made, we have failed to appreciate. So the aim will be to remove those assumptions from there. Amen? So that we can have clarity and we can also see what the scriptures truly say. Amen? Since we are considering the purpose of suffering, then I want us to start by discussing what suffering is, yeah, because I believe that there is a gross misunderstanding as to what suffering is amongst many people who call themselves believers. And the reason why this misunderstanding exists is because many of such are carnal. The truth is that when you are carnal in your desires, you are also carnal in your appreciation of things. When you are carnal in your desires, you are also carnal in your understanding of things. When you are carnal in your desires, you are carnal in your understanding of things. Amen. So if then we want to deal with our level of carnality in understanding the things that are before us, the approach is not to try and remove that carnal understanding. The approach is to rather try and deal with the carnal desires. Hallelujah. If our hearts are after the world, it is impossible for us to lift 
our understanding beyond the world. So our appreciation of things will be very limited to the world. Even if things that are beyond this world are taught us. So you can be organized and then we'll teach you heavenly things. But you will hear them in terms of the English. What is taught will be very far away from you. So it's like you can hear something, but you can't relate with it. It is like a teacher teaching you and you don't understand what the teacher is teaching. Your problem is not that the English that the teacher is using, you don't understand. You actually understand all the English that the teacher is using. You know that, you know it, you know they. If it's mathematics, you know X, you know squared, you know Y. You understand everything, every word that the teacher is using. And the one that you say you don't understand, you can check it from the dictionary, right? But you still don't understand the concept. So it is possible to hear something without understanding the concept. Yes, so at times spiritual things can be explained to you. For instance, when we talk of the love of God, the fact that God loves us. Now, this is common knowledge in Christendom, isn't it? This is common knowledge. Now, it is because it's in the scriptures. So you will easily find in the Bible that God loves us. But this knowledge is also a knowledge that many people cannot genuinely relate with. So you find that you deal with people and it is clear that they have no clear appreciation of the love of God for them. They know it. They know that God loves them, but they are unable to accept. They are unable to relate with it. And because of that, the fact that God loves them is not something that has any consequence on their lives. So it is possible that you hear something, you will know something, but it will be far from you. So how to deal with the things that are far from you? Okay, the things you know, you can even hear about, but you cannot relate. I'm saying that the reason why you cannot relate with such things is that they are things that are higher than you. And the way to go higher in the spirit is to deal with the things which your heart is after to deal with the things which your heart is after. If your heart begins to pant after spiritual things, you will easily understand spiritual things. If your heart begins to search after God and you begin to live for God, you will easily understand spiritual things. For instance, even the simple knowledge that there is a life after death. How many of you believe that there is life after death? Wow. Now, you know that for some of us, it is very likely that this thing that we say we believe, we don't really believe it. Because if you believe that there is life after death, then what should be happening with you is that you should be living your life on a day-to-day -day basis with this understanding. The things that your heart is after should be the things that have impact on your life after here. When you consider your steps, you should consider it in terms of the life after here. Anything that you are doing and even your aspirations, your aspirations should be 
concerning the life after this place, what you want to be. It's like being in a school. When you go to school, you have aspirations as to what you are going to become after school, isn't it? And then that's why you're in school. So you are in school because you are going to become something after school. So if you believe that there is a life after this place, if you believe that we go on to live after here when we die in the body, then your choices will be influenced by such an understanding. But you find that we can live our lives where we constantly forget that there is a life after here. So our steps and everything that we do will be influenced by gaining here and now. When we consider what is to be treasured, it will be the things of the world because we cannot see that we will leave the things of the world behind. Not that we don't know or we have not read it in the Bible. We have read it, it has been taught us. But we will find that we still end up living our lives as though we don't know. And that's where then the fact that you know something in your memory does not mean that it is your faith. When it is your faith, it dictates your life. Hallelujah. So if I ask again, how many of you believe that there is a life after here? Your answer should not be influenced by the fact that you have heard it before. Your answer should be influenced by the fact that that is how you live your life. Do you see? If you are to answer the question, do you believe in life after death? You assess yourself as to what you believe concerning this very question. Okay, you assess yourself by how you are living your life now. For instance, do you believe that there is a God? Okay, now this answer, yes, Pastor, should not be because you have heard that there is a God or you have read in the Bible that there is a God. You should rather assess yourself whether you live like there is a God. In other words, if there is a God, then he has requirements for you. Do you see? So if you are living according to the commandments of this God, then you believe that there is a God. Do you see? Then you believe that there is a God. If you are living according to the commandments of God, then you believe that there is a God. Not that you have heard that there is a God. Do you see? So it is possible that you can be in the system, but you are an atheist. Do you see? And when you die and you are undergoing judgment and they are explaining to you that you are an atheist, you will not believe it because you are going to pull a lot of information that you know in the scriptures. And then the word of the Lord to you will be that to him that hath, more shall be given. But to him that does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Do you see? Yeah, if you have a life according to the truth, more truth will be given to you. But if you have no life according to the truth you know, then the truth that you know in your memory shall be taken away from you. That is a principle. So are you an atheist? What do you think? You see, the thing about spirituality is that it is something that we can assess. You see, any kind of spirituality that you have no opportunity to assess, at least to a good extent, you have no ability to assess, you cannot call Christianity or you cannot call spirituality because then you are going to be subjected to another man's assessment. So like some of you who think that, oh, if you come to the altar call, you'll be saved. 
if I invite you to the altar call, I have to tell you that you are saved. So you must leave here believing my word, right? Or they say, oh no, it's the scriptures that say it. But the scriptures telling you that you are saved in your physical ears is not how you are saved. Plus the scriptures don't say that anyway. In order to know that you are saved, you have to know it in your own self. Because to be saved means you are saved from something, right? So if you are saved from evil, then you have to check for the evil to see if the evils of your heart are present. If the evils of your heart are present, then there's something to think about, right? So if I'm telling you you are saved, but the evils that are in your heart are present, how do you confirm that you are saved? Because you are supposed to be saved from these evils so that they do not rule over you. Yeah, so now that is another thing. So this is a situation where then we can measure spirituality. We can measure what is going on. You can check your own heart and see what is going on. You can check your own self and see what is really ruling you. Then you will know where you are. That's spirituality. In spiritual things, we cannot lie to ourselves. Hallelujah. Actually, in the spirit realm, hypocrisy is not possible. Everybody is as they are. Yeah, everybody is as they are. So it is possible to know something, like, like say, Jesus is my Lord, right? But that statement that you are making, that Jesus is your Lord, is it something that you can relate with? Is this something that you can relate with? Is this something you can relate with? Because if he's your Lord, then it means that he's the one that rules over you, isn't it? He's the one that dictates your life. His commandments dictate your life. So you say, oh, I proclaim the Lordship of Jesus. See, the Lordship of Jesus is not proclaimed with the mouth. It is proclaimed with the life. When you live in subjection to the commandments of Jesus, then Jesus is your Lord. Because that is when you actually are able to relate with the truth that Jesus is Lord. You see, like the Bible says that at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow, right? And every tongue shall what? Confess that Jesus is Lord, right? Now that confession that Jesus is Lord cannot be a confession because you read that Jesus is Lord. It is going to have to be a confession that stems out of a life lived in obedience to his commandment. Because those that live in obedience to his commandments are able to come to terms with the reality of the truth that Jesus is Lord. That's how it works. So the truth that Jesus is Lord is irrelevant to you except you have lived your life in a certain way. That is why I'm saying that what our heart is set on, if our heart is carnal, we cannot see spiritual things. So if your heart is said that you live according to the dictates of your own evils, your selfish interest, and the desire for the honor of men, if you live according to such dictates, it is impossible for you to perceive the truth that says that Jesus is Lord. It is impossible. Even if that truth is explained to you in a million languages, in a million words, you will still not be able to appreciate it. It will be something that you can hear, 
you can understand, but it is still far away from you. Because human beings, the truth that actually is effective with us is not just something we know to be true, but something we also love to be true. Hallelujah. Something we love to be true. That kind of truth has the most impact on us. Now, because it has the most impact on us, it is actually called being skillful or being wise. It is called being skillful or being wise. The kind of truth that has an impact on you. It is not an information that you have. It is not something that you have studied. It is not something that you know. No. It is something that joins itself to you in such a way that you cannot be separated from it. It is something that becomes your life. Hallelujah. It is something that becomes your life. So the fact that Jesus is Lord must be commingled with your own life. That is a kind of knowledge. It is an intercourse. It's a fellowship. That's how come the Bible calls it the fellowship of the spirit. It's a fellowship. It's a koinonia. Now that is the kind of knowledge of the truth. That is really knowledge. Anything that you know really well is something you have fellowship with. Like, for instance, if you do apprenticeship, okay? If you do apprenticeship, the aim is that through the thing that your master will teach you and through practice, you come to the point where what you know becomes intuitive, isn't it? It becomes something that you don't have to remember what your master taught you. You just flow in it because it has become a part of you. It's like how you can bath without realizing that you have bathed. You don't normally see the process of the bath. You just go through it. Why? Because it has become a part of you. Like at times washing. If you are washing with your hands, you can wash. Uh, when you wash for many years, you wash without thinking. Do you understand that? Because it has become a part of you. It's like something else is controlling the washing side that it is almost subconscious. It is almost subconscious. Now, that is the proper knowledge of truth. Hallelujah. That is a proper knowledge of truth. Now, I was trying to explain suffering, right? And how that some people who call themselves Christians look at suffering in the wrong way. And my point was that there is a reason why they look at suffering in the wrong way. And the reason is that their hearts are carnal. So they cannot see any suffering except the canal suffering. Hallelujah. For instance, if you fall sick, okay, if you fall sick, now because of the presence of the sickness, you go through some form of suffering, isn't it? You go through some form of suffering. If you lose something that is important to you or someone that is important to you, because of that loss, you go through suffering, isn't it? All right. Now, this kind of suffering that we go through, which relates with material loss alone, is not proper suffering. Hallelujah. It is not proper suffering. But because we are carnal, when we think of suffering, we think of suffering in the material. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, there's suffering in the spiritual. But again, our hearts will not allow us to perceive that. 
And it is said that even if we are told, it becomes difficult for us to actually realize it. Except we live our lives in a spiritual way. Then we begin to actually perceive the real spiritual suffering. For instance, in Christendom, many people believe that Jesus' suffering, when we talk of the passion of the Christ, his suffering is in the fact that he was betrayed by one of his trusted people, one of the 12, okay? So Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus with a kiss. How sad, right? How sad? How sad? Like your close friend is called a stab in the back. Then he was arrested, sent before the chief priest and all those people. Then finally before Pilate. And they chose a criminal instead of him. They said they should crucify Jesus and release unto them Barnabas. Then he was whipped, right? He carried his cross. He hanged on the cross naked. He went through suffering. Now, to the carnal person, when the Bible says the suffering of Jesus, this is the suffering of Jesus. It is this suffering of betrayal, this suffering of admitting pain into his body, this suffering of his own people rejecting him, this suffering of having to hang on the cross naked, this suffering of the nails going through his hands and his feet, right? And we have songs about it, right? There's a song that's called, It Wasn't Easy, but it was worth it the nails that ran through his hand. So when we watch something like, for instance, I mean, I'm not a fan of a movie like The Passion of the Christ. I know it is many people, they are classic. Because before The Passion of the Christ, people did not see graphically Jesus' suffering, right? But the sufferings of Jesus, as stated in the scriptures, do not particularly relate to the material suffering. Hallelujah. Because the material suffering of Jesus, many people can suffer the same thing. Do you understand that? Many people can suffer the same thing. It is not a strange thing. The material suffering of Jesus is not a strange thing. To be betrayed is not a strange thing. Many people have betrayed their bosses. Many people have betrayed those that fed them. Many people have bitten the hand that fed them, isn't it? Many people have shamed people. Many people have actually inflicted pain on others. In this time, in our generation, it doesn't really happen, but those times, people inflict pain. It wasn't only Jesus who was crucified. Many people were crucified. Do you see? Many people, and some of them were crucified because they fought for their nation. They fought for their people. Because the Roman Empire was conquering, right? So if we come to a certain nation, the people will fight. Then the Romans will conquer them, right? And then they will crucify some of them. So people suffered crucifixion because they fought for others. So to be crucified is not a special thing. Do you see there's this guy called Vlad the Impaler. Have you heard of Vlad the Impaler? 
He, he did not crucify the people. He puts a rod through their anus for it to appear in their mouth or their here somewhere, their neck area. So instead of you coming to a city and maybe at the entrance of the city, seeing people crucified, nails and all that, no. This one, you saw people like Chichinga, you know, kebab. I'm sure Vlad the Impaler brought about the concept of kebab. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So in terms of physical suffering, people have suffered physically. Peter asked that he will be crucified upside down. Some of the saints were fried in oil. You know, being fried in oil. You see, so my point is that because we are carnal in our thinking, when we consider suffering, our understanding of suffering is limited to suffering something in the flesh. Do you see? And because of that, our analysis of Jesus' suffering is also a suffering in the flesh. So we think that the sign that Jesus loves us is coming from that he suffered all these blows to his body for our sake. But that was not Jesus' suffering. That was not Jesus' suffering. Hallelujah. That was not Jesus' suffering. That is only the outside appearance, but the real suffering was not seen. The Bible speaks about it, but it was not seen. And that is what I want to draw our attention to today. Today we must understand what suffering is. Hallelujah. You must understand what suffering is. So there are three dimensions of suffering, actually. There are three. Three dimensions. Three dimensions or three levels of suffering. Three levels of suffering. But first of all, let's try and see if we can define what suffering then. Let's define suffering. What is suffering? What does it mean to suffer? to go through an unpleasant experience like pain. It's always pain. Hardship. It's still pain. But you see, this your pain is limited to the body. But hardship also produces pain. But it's another kind of pain, even though you may still feel pain on your body. But it's another kind of pain. But, so let's do going through an unpleasant experience such as pain. Okay, let's take it like that. Going through an unpleasant experience such as pain. Okay, all right. So now there are three dimensions of suffering. Three. The first one, which is the lowest dimension, is what I've spoken about. Suffering in the material. Hallelujah. Suffering in the material, which has to do with experiencing bodily pain which has to do with some kind of pressure that is placed on you in the material, okay? So you feel it in your senses, your material senses. So if your eye is paining you, you are suffering, hallelujah. If your leg is paining you, you are suffering, isn't it? But there are two other dimensions of suffering that go beyond the material, hallelujah. It is still to suffer an unpleasant experience, such as pain, but that pain is not in the body. 
that pain is in the spirit. Hallelujah. And the two other dimensions have to do with suffering and unpleasant experience due to pain because of the loss of something you love. Something you love. Because of the loss of something you love. Or the possible loss of something that you love. Because you can also suffer because of a prospect. Something that is about to happen. It has not happened, but for fear of it happening, you will also suffer. Is that okay? For example, when somebody is heartbroken, the heartbreak is not a suffering that is in the body per se. It is an emotional suffering, isn't it? And it is because something that they desired has been taken away from them. Something that they hoped for, a hope that they had, that hope has been taken away from them. So there is some kind of suffering, but it is not a suffering that is in the body. Is that okay? Then also there is a suffering when something you know, something you believe to be true, something you think is true, is taken away from you, or the prospect of it being taken away from you. So the other two dimensions of suffering are spiritual. They are spiritual. Hallelujah. The other two dimensions of suffering are spiritual. They have to do with what we love and the disappointment of losing what we love or the possibility of losing what we have. They also have to do with what we know, the disappointment of having to give up what we know or the possibility of losing what we know. Actually, the suffering that is in the material is actually called suffering because of these internal ones. Listen. A material suffering, except the direct pain that comes into your body, okay, which is for maybe sickness or some form of accident. The other form of material suffering that we go through is as a result of the spiritual or the unseen suffering. Because we need to understand this. For instance, when you are betrayed, okay, when you are betrayed, now the betrayal took place outside of you, isn't it? The betrayal took place outside of you. So it is something that happened in the material world. The one that betrayed you took steps. The one that betrayed you told a lie. The one that betrayed you did something. There were actions that were taken. And examining those actions, we consider what has happened a betrayal. Now, even though the betrayal took place in the material, okay, the effect of the betrayal on you is spiritual. It is spiritual because we are betrayed. Maybe it's a friend that betrayed you and it's a friend that you love, isn't it? So that physical act of betrayal, its pain is in their heart because this is somebody that you loved. This is somebody that you trusted, right? This is somebody that you loved. This is somebody that you trusted. And because of that, the betrayal, which is outside of you, it hurts rather inside of you. Now, it's also going to hurt inside of you because you had a certain thinking about maybe friendship, right? 
And that betrayal means that you have to face the reality that that thinking you had about friendship is wrong. And that also is suffering because you are going to have to give up on your ideology because that ideology as it stares you in the face has been breached. It has been found wanting. So now that also constitutes suffering. So in being betrayed, there is an element of heartbreak where somebody that you loved and you thought of in a certain way and because of that you gave yourself onto has acted against you. Then there is an element of your thinking where you have dealt with the person with a certain understanding. And the betrayal means that you are going to have to question and most likely give up that understanding, at least about the person and in many cases about friendship in general. For instance, when somebody suffers a broken heart, what happens is that the person normally had a certain perspective, maybe about relationships before the broken heart, right? But after the broken heart, the person now gives up that perspective. Why? Because the heartbreak did not just hurt the person in the heart, it also hurts the person in the mind. What they believed before, their heartbreak is actually now pushing them to the point where they have to give up on what they knew before. So maybe they trusted easily. Now the heartbreak makes them have a lot of good reasons not to trust anymore. And that in itself is also suffering because we don't easily give up on what it is that we believe. If something happens and you are forced to give up what it is that you believe, it also constitutes suffering. For instance, let me even give you another one. If I slap you, okay, if I slap you, what will happen is that what I have done constitutes some form of suffering because you feel pain, right? But there's another suffering, depending on the relationship that existed between us. And depending on what it was that you're trying to, maybe you are trying to help me. Maybe I dropped my money, right? And then you are telling, oh, pastor, you dropped your money. And as you tag my tendon, a reflex, I gave you combo, papa. <laughs> now, you feel hurt, isn't it? Yeah, now, it means that you are suffering physically, but that physical suffering it is being interpreted inwardly as well. There is an interpretation that you are giving to the act, me slapping you. There's an interpretation that you are giving to it. That also means that your heart is going to be broken. You are going to be hurt emotionally as well. Maybe you conclude that I don't like you, right? Now, if you make such conclusion, it will hurt you. Because the feeling that I don't like you is a feeling that is hurtful. It will hurt you. It will bring you pain, not in the body, but emotionally. So now here is the case where there's an action outside which can be seen as suffering, but that suffering cannot be compared to the inner suffering which the person is going to feel. And it is said that if I even now turn around and I say, oh, sorry, Right? So I don't know what, I'm very, very sorry. Now, the fact that I slapped you, even though it is painful, you do and you move on, right? The memory of it quickly fades because the emotional one has been dealt with. The fact that you're going to suffer emotionally, my reaction or my response to having slapped you has soothed that pain. And because of that, even the bodily one is of not much consequence to you. All right. Now, this is important. I'm explaining all of this because when we talk of suffering, 
proper suffering, when it comes to the suffering that has purpose in it, we must understand that its origin is not material. Its origin is spiritual. Hallelujah. Its origin is spiritual. For instance, if I call you, okay, I say stand on your feet. Maybe you are dressed in a very some way way. And then I call you, I say stand on your feet. And then I say, is that how to dress? Everybody look at this. Come to the front, come to the front, come to the front. So you come and stand in the front. Is that how to look at it? Don't dress like this. Have you heard? Don't dress like this. Now, what I have done, people will be looking at you, right? Now, what I have done will bring you suffering, right? Okay. Now, that suffering, that's what I have done is going to bring you. The question is, is there purpose in that suffering? When I say purpose, it means that good, something good will come out of it, right? Will something good come out of this suffering you are feeling, this pain you are feeling because I have disgraced you before your friends? Is there some purpose in it? If you think there's some purpose in this, put up your hand. Okay. Now, the question is, what is that purpose? See, that's my point. There is no purpose in this kind of suffering. You are suffering because you have a problem. Listen. You see, that's why I say you must pay attention to this. Because this is why I need to clarify a lot of things so that you know what suffering is and benefit well from suffering. This thing that you are feeling, which is called suffering, when you may go, maybe you even live here, you feel, you, you cry a lot, right? You go and lie on your pillow. I remember those is, I think, second year, I had a, a friend, a lady. She did her work. He said, the lecture said, hey, take it, take it out, remove it. So the next day, I asked her, so what did you do? Like, as you picked your work, and you so said, I went to cry on my pillow. You see? So now that crying on your pillow is suffering, right? You are suffering heartbreak, right? You are suffering some pain. Because of what the lecture did. Now, is there purpose in this suffering? As you suffer this and you feel the pain, maybe why did you chew him? If you feel like, hey, yeah, right. Now, is there purpose in this feeling? Is there purpose in it? Hallelujah. Is there purpose in it? So, like you suffer this pain, ah, then gradually it subsides and then you get up and then you live your life. Is there purpose in this suffering? There's no purpose. So my point is that a lot of us have been suffering fake suffering. And because of that, we are becoming worse and worse because this fake suffering, the reason why I'm saying there's no purpose in this is that its purpose is evil. What it does in a man is evil. You are suffering because of your ego. You are suffering because of your pride. You are suffering because of your selfishness. That is why you are suffering. What I did here, you will say, but I'm wrong. Fine. But why are you suffering? If I am wrong, then being wrong should be enough for you. Move on with your life. Why are you suffering? Why do you feel hurt? Why do you feel like, Charlie, you don't know what to do. So you are so disappointed in pastor, right? That it's so painful. Now, that feeling, I'm telling you, that feeling that you are keeping, it is demonic. There is no purpose in it. Its purpose is rather to make you into a more evil person. Do you know the proper suffering? 
When you feel hurt and disappointed and offended at what pastor has done, you can quickly be able to see that it is your pride at work and now you stop yourself from suffering in this manner. Try that. You face proper suffering. So you see there's suffering that is easy. That is the one that I'm saying is not proper suffering. If you are suffering because you are hurt by something, you are disappointed by something, your life is not going as it should be. You feel hopeless, right? So you are suffering. Or somebody says something against you and it pained you. Somebody betrayed you, right? And then it pained you, right? That kind of suffering. If you stay in that kind of suffering, the only thing it will produce is a more evil person. Because the reason why you are feeling that hurt and that pain is because you are evil. The only pain that when you feel, in this case, you are not evil, is the one in your body. If I slap you and it pains, you are not evil. But in terms of the internal suffering, it is there because of evil. It is there because of your pride. Why are you offended that I said it here? Isn't it because people have seen you? Isn't it because now your glory, as you see it, has diminished in the sight of men? What else is informing your suffering? Why are you suffering? Why are you sad? Why are you in pain? Because you want to rise up with wings as eagles, but you can't. Because what I have done here has made men lower the way they see you. They are respect for you. That's why you are suffering. And I'm saying that that is not suffering. The real suffering is that when you see this, you see, it is very easy. That's why it's not suffering. It is very easy to allow this apparent feeling of suffering to run with you and to continue with you and to lead you to draw conclusions about people, conclusions about life, conclusions about pastor, conclusions about your friend, conclusions about your family, whatever. It will lead you on a path. And then by the time you come out of it, you have been turned into a beast, right? That's easy. But what if now this ego that is hurt, that is looking for relief, uh, what if you see that that is the problem? That hurt ego is your problem. So the question is, why are you hurt? That's the question you are asking yourself. Why are you hurt? Why are you hurt? Why are you heartbroken? Hallelujah. Why? And that is where your actual suffering begins. That's where your actual suffering begins. Because in this suffering, you are going to suffer because you are not allowing yourself to go in the wrong direction. You are now trying to bring yourself in line with the word of God that you have learned. And this yourself that is trying to go in another direction, it wants to go. You want to be allowed to feel offended, right? And you want to call that suffering. You said something and nobody believed you. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Yeah, nobody knows your sorrow, right? Now, that feeling is devilish. That's what I'm telling you. The proper suffering is to stop yourself from going there. If nobody believed you, who are you? You understand? Yeah, who are you? Who are you? Now, that ego that is driving this suffering is what you must arrest. And to arrest that ego is a very difficult thing to do. 
Let me show you something. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 39. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. That's Jesus speaking. I came not to send peace, but a sword. So Jesus is saying that he, when you meet him, what he's going to introduce into your life is not peace. He's not going to allow you to be peaceful with yourself. Hallelujah. Like in this suffering that you think you are suffering, if Jesus is to enter, he's not going to let you go there. Yes, if Jesus is really in the picture, his word is in the picture, he's not going to let you be at peace with this yourself that is offended. Hallelujah. This is a suffering. Because you are feeling disappointment, right? Means that you are suffering. I'm saying that this suffering is a demonic suffering because it is not based on the truth. So the way that Jesus is saying that this thing that you are easily now saying you are suffering uh, because God has disappointed you. If he is to enter, you will not be at peace with this suffering you are suffering. Hallelujah. He's going to create a problem between you and this suffering. But the thing is that because many of us don't know what is going on, we don't even find that there's a problem with this kind of suffering. Like for instance, I pray to God, spend a long time praying to God that he will help me so that I minister to you. And then I come and say that I minister to you and I feel very dry in the ministration. And then I leave this place very sad and offended, right? That's a suffering, right? But the word of God will not allow me to do that. Because the question is, you and God, who loves the people? You see, now my point is this thought that you and God is the word of God. This thought that you and God, who loves the people, when it enters, is going to set you at variance with yourself. Do you understand that? And it is a difficult thing to not allow yourself to feel what you readily want to feel. It's a difficult thing to not allow yourself to feel and to think what you are ready to feel and think. It's like, even though you say, I don't like this mood, you are in agreement with that mood. It's a difficult thing to stop yourself from going in that direction. That difficulty is called suffering. If I do something against you, right? You suffer the wrong, right? Is that suffering? No. The suffering is that the word of God says that Jesus gave us an example. When he was reviled against, he did not revile back. Uh, but he committed himself unto the one that judges righteously. Right? So now, what is going to be your suffering? Your suffering is that this suffering I've brought to you, you now have to stop it from generating in you the desire for revenge. Because if you let the suffering you are in go in its natural course, what it will result in is you feeling justified in your next negative step towards the person that hurt you. So you are building up a justification for revenge. Hallelujah. The suffering is to stop this flow, is to stop this flow, this building up of the justification for revenge. The suffering is to know that this is not what the word of God teaches. That even when somebody offers you, then the argument will come. He is not even acknowledging his fault, right? 
That is where the suffering is. He's not acknowledging his fault. So now flow in this your pain, which is leading you to come to the place of revenge, right? Flow in it. Allow yourself in it. Then justification. Even he said three days ago, he did the same thing. Four days ago, he did the same thing. So stay in this feeling of hurt that is building up in you this strong desire for revenge against the person. This strong desire to separate yourself from the person. This strong desire to do something very dramatic and to justify it. The suffering here comes when the word of God puts a rod in the spokes. You used to ride bicycle. When the bicycle's brake is not stopping, we take something, we push it into the spokes and then it stops, right? Yeah. The suffering is when this word of God puts this thing, this break on you. That's where the proper suffering is. You see, it's so much of a suffering that many of us don't know the suffering. Because we will avoid it. Hallelujah. That is when we don't remember the word of God. That is when even the word of God comes and we dismiss it. So you think that you are suffering and because of that you are dismissing the word of God. You don't know that you are dismissing the word of God so that you will not suffer. You see the difference? You think you are suffering, that is why you are dismissing the word of God. Not knowing that you are dismissing the word of God so that you will not suffer. Meanwhile, the blessing is in the suffering. So now that's your suffering that you are suffering. Are you going to let it go waste? Because the purpose is not in just you suffering the head. The purpose is in you applying the word of God so that you will suffer your not being allowed to go in the direction of your selfish interest in being hurt. That is where the suffering is. And that is where the purpose lies. Look, if you understand suffering, then you will know why no one must suffer for you. Like some of you easily believe that substitution, right? Jesus, <laughs> you don't understand. Why? If I say Jesus is suffering, it is not so that you will not suffer. I say, hey, no. He suffered for us, right? And that way he suffered the punishment for sin. Jesus did not suffer the punishment for sin. Where? Where did you see that? Hallelujah. And suffering is said that its effect cannot be transferred to another person. I can't suffer for you to benefit. If I suffer, I become something because of the suffering. Now, in this case where I'm letting the word of God stop me, which is my actual suffering, what comes out of it is that I begin to obtain a more loving heart. Now, you cannot obtain that heart because I suffered. You are going to have to also suffer your own suffering. See, we are discussing striving for mastery, right? This is how it is. Nobody suffers for anybody. It is like saying that I must do your apprenticeship for you to become good at the job. No, suffering is part of the apprenticeship. It is like I must go through labor for how many of you men, when you see your wife go through labor, say, hey, I wish I could do some for you, right? But I can't. How many of you see that? Yeah. Why? Because you can't go through labor for another person because the baby is coming out of someone. That is why the person is going to labor. And the adjustment to allow the baby to come out is the labor. Suffering. You see, the suffering in scripture, suffering is like labor. Hallelujah. Jesus talks about it. 
Suffering is like labor. John chapter 16, verse 20 to 23. Yeah. No, I'm suffering in the marriage. I'm suffering in the marriage. Yes, and why? Because my wife is not treating me well. But my husband is not respecting me. I'm suffering. I'm saying that is not the suffering. The suffering is that in spite of the fact that your husband is not treating you or your wife is not treating you, there is a commandment you must obey. Try that. Then you know suffering. And that suffering is the one with purpose. The one you are suffering there is turning you into somebody that is doing bad things in the mind, but you are justifying it by the bad behavior of your spouse. It's making you more devilish. That is not suffering. You are not suffering anything. Proper suffering is when you are supposed to laugh in spite of what is being done to you. That is proper suffering. That's where the struggle is. That's where the proper pain is. Because you are going to, remember, the suffering is from the fact that something you love, you are being asked to give it up. And what you love is this yourself that interprets the behavior of your spouse to be suffering. So to give up this yourself is the difficult thing. Your selfish interest. That's the difficulty, your own pride. That's the difficult thing. Because that's what you love. Huh? Remember, suffering means that you're going to have to give up something that you love. Something that you love is being threatened, is being taken from you. And it is yourself. When yourself is being taken from you, when your selfish interest, when your evil desires and your love for the honor of men, your sense of pride, when that one is being taken away from you, that is when you feel the suffering. And it is the aim of the word of God to take that away from you. That's the proper suffering. But normally we misinterpret it and we think that the situation we are in, that is painful, is the suffering. Not knowing that we are even required in the painful situation. Do you know Jesus' suffering? Jesus' suffering was that he will love the human race in spite of what was stirred up in him and arrayed against him. So you think that his suffering was when they spat on him, right? His suffering was to now be able to love these people in spite of what it is that they thought of him and they did to him. That was the suffering. Because according to the flesh, the one that spits on you is your enemy. But according to the spirit, the one that spits on you is the one that needs help. To come from thinking that the one that spits on you is the enemy. To think that the one that spits on you is the one that needs help. That is yourself. Because you have to then give up yourself. You have to give up yourself. You have to reject yourself in order to think that way. And that is the real suffering. That's the real suffering. Not that nobody recognizes you. To now love those who did not recognize you genuinely, that's where the suffering is. Because that's where the word of God comes in. That's why Jesus said that he came with the sword. He's come to turn the father against the son. Huh? The father against the son. Let's read that scripture again. Huh? And the daughter against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against what? Her mother-in-law. What will happen? And a man's foes, right, shall be there of him. It's a very terrible but good experience, right, to actually find that because of what you think is suffering, you are entitled to go in a certain direction because in that direction is your selfish interest. And to now discover that the word of God says that you should go in another direction that is against this your selfish interest. So now you are being asked to recognize this yourself 
which is seeking its interest as the enemy. Why do you think people hear the word of God but do not practice it? It is because where they must practice it, they must deny themselves. Hallelujah. And to have to deny yourself is the real suffering. That's the real suffering. To have to deny yourself is the real suffering. A man's foe shall be there of his own household. 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is what? Not worthy of me. Now that's what I'm talking about. What you are feeling inside you about what you think is your suffering. If you prefer that one more than the Lord, you are not worthy of him. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See the next verse. And he that taketh not his cross. What do you think? So in the midst of what you think is your suffering, you are being asked to actually suffer the real suffering, which is to take up your cross and follow him. So the one that does not do that is not worthy of me. 39. He that findeth his life shall do what? In what you call suffering, you are trying to find your life, right? You are trying to seek the life of the carnal man which is the selfish interest and the fact that it is hurt and it must be preserved. And that's what you are trying to do. He said, if you do that, you, you lose it. But he that does what? Lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now to lose your life for the Lord's sake is a real suffering. And that is a suffering that has purpose in it. Because it yields something. It yields something. No, this person does not like me. So yourself says that you are suffering from the person's dislike, right? So your reaction must be that you must dislike the person back. Then the word of God steps in and brings your real suffering. That now you are caged. What you want to do to relieve yourself of your suffering, which is to hate the person back and to act against the person, the word of God stops you there. Now that's real suffering. Because now you have been turned against yourself. And you thought the person acting against you made you suffer. Right? Now the word of God is asking you to act against yourself. To act against your apparent interest. Now that's proper suffering. And that is the suffering that has a purpose. In this suffering that growth is born. We, we grow in this kind of suffering. Without this kind of suffering, there's no growth. Just like without the birth pangs, there's no baby, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. You think that the sorrow is a man of sorrow. Hey, they are laughing at him. That's when I will always know. The sorrow is the sorrow of self-denial. Yanasana. That's proper suffering. Let's go to our John scripture. Please, I'll explain to you another suffering. So this is one. Okay. 16, 20 to 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall what? Rejoice. What do you think? What will make 
Jesus' people weep and lament whilst the world is rejoicing. So to weep and lament constitutes what? Suffering, right? Why would you suffer when the world is rejoicing? Except that Jesus has placed a limitation on your joy. He has placed an embargo on a joy that you normally like to enjoy. <laughs> and he said, you can't enjoy this thing anymore and you must deny it and rather act against it. So, and ye shall be sorrowful, but what will happen? Your sorrow shall do what? Be turned into joy. Now that is the joy that comes after the suffering with purpose. There's no joy after just suffering. Then you can lock yourself up and just suffer. Just don't waste time. You see, this hours that you lock yourself up and suffer and you don't want to. <laughs> it's like somebody that, somebody offends you and then you've blocked the person, right? Without the person knowing. <laughs> now, there's somebody that does not want to suffer. Do you see? You think that you want to, you are suffering. That's why you block the person, right? But I'm also saying that you don't want to suffer. Because there's a way to behave that you don't want to. This one that you think you are suffering, I mean, it's not anything. There's a proper suffering you are running away from. And it is that suffering that will turn you into a strong person. It is that suffering that will turn you into God's servant, God's vessel. It is that suffering that will turn you into a useful tool in the hand of God. But we want to avoid it. And this is in our Christianity that we know we don't do such things. You would rather go and pray against the one that is responsible for your suffering, right? Now that is a sign that you are carnal. Because if you think the source of your suffering is another man, and because of you must pray against that man, it means that you are carnal. You are not a Christian. The source of your suffering is yourself. Hallelujah. And if you need to pray, pray against yourself and turn against yourself, like Jesus says. And that is where the true suffering lies. Because you are fighting people quietly, fighting people. You think that is because they have made you suffer. They are not the source. They are not. Hallelujah. All right. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into what? Joy. A woman, when she is in travail, had sorrow because her hour is what? Come. Now, that's the interesting thing about suffering that you must understand. The time of suffering means that the time of birth has come. You see, when you are looking for changes, God, do me this, do me that, do me this, do me this, that, right? But all this is formed eh, in the crucible of suffering. That is why James can say that, James chapter 1, verse 2, that my brethren, count it all joy when you go through diverse kinds of what? Temptation. That's the real suffering. Knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh what? Patience. That's long suffering. Long suffering. So it means that this thing that you call suffering, there's something at the door for you in it. And that is its purpose. 
Do you understand that? That is making you avoid it. There's a woman of God. There's a man of God. There's someone carrying a certain power that is at the end of it. This person you want to become is at the end of your suffering. Hallelujah. But you take the first suffering to avoid it. It's like somebody that wants to become academically good without suffering. How do you do that? When they say, we are going to watch this, we are going, you won't go somewhere. Right? That is to deny yourself, right? Then you see that when people are sleeping, you will not sleep. But you want to become good without suffering. How do you achieve that? That is when you go and buy a pen to come and write the exams, right? And you believe. Why wouldn't you believe? Because you have made yourself susceptible to such influence because of your carnal life. Everybody standing at fire, you say, ah, does the pen have brain? But only you, you believe that the pen can write without having brain. But even if the pen had brain, your brainless head will stop the pen. Because you are the one holding If only you will let the pen lie there by itself and write for you, then maybe the pen has power. But you will be the one holding it. The, the, the pen wants to go here. You, you want to go here because of your brainless, you have not learned anything. So you'll be spoiling the pen's flow. <laughs> See, so you go for a pen. Why will you believe that? You believe that because you are kind of, your thinking has been lowered because of the kind of life that you live. Hmm. Now let's even finish the patient's one. An interesting thing. A wicked patient. Verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. But let patience do it. Have her perfect work. That ye may be what? Perfect and entire. Wanting what? Nothing. I'm here to tell you, okay, the things you are praying for. This year we are on the path of wanting to become masters for God, right? And I'm saying that it is true suffering. It is true suffering. The point here is that normally we don't know what the suffering is. So we run away from it. We don't know what it is. But it is my prayer that we begin to understand what the true suffering is. Hallelujah. I said Jesus' suffering was not in the fact that he was beaten. Every man can do it. What is difficult for a man to do is to love those who beat him. Yeah. What is difficult for a man to do is to seek the good and the transformation of the same people that have rejected him. We learned that it is the love for the human race that brought God to walk the earth. And his suffering was to keep that love intact. Let's go back to John 16. A woman, when she's in travail, had sorrow because her hour is what? Come. See, it is because this hour is come. That's why James said, like, count it all joy. It's not because it's a nice thing, but you know that this is it. It's in the midst of such sufferings. I'm not talking about the suffering of your head ego. I'm talking about the suffering of the denial of your head ego. It is in that suffering the suffering of what? The denial of your head ego. You have to now deny that head ego. That suffering, it is at that time that transactions are going to be made. 
It is at that time that spiritual transactions, deposits are being made. The deposit you've been crying for and seeking the face of God for, it is at that time that transformations are being done. Hallelujah. And that is where the purpose of suffering comes in. So because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she does so. She remembered no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Wow. Let's go to the next verse. And ye now therefore have what? Sorrow. But what will happen? I will see you again. Now, this is the promise of the Lord to the one that gives himself for this kind of suffering. The Lord's promise that in this suffering you have sorrow. But next, after this suffering, I will see you again. Remember Jesus' message to the disciples in John chapter 14. said that I'm going. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to do what? Prepare a place for you. So that where I am there, ye may do what? I will not leave you comfortless. I will do what? I will come to you. Huh? Say that. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again. In suffering, we are trying to see God. That is a transaction. That is the reason why we would deny ourselves. That is the reason why we will lay our lives down. Even though there is another path that is being prescribed. In suffering, we want to see the Lord. Remember, there is the Lord that when we see, we have fellowship and therefore we become united with. That is the kind of knowledge I tried to explain to you before. And this is the kind of knowledge we are looking for. That is why we give ourselves to suffering. But that knowledge makes us into something. Hallelujah. It is in this kind of knowing the Lord, seeing the Lord again, that we are called Christian. It is not that we have heard things from the Bible. That's what we are called Christian. It is those who go through this kind of suffering in self-denial. Those are the ones called Christian. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will do what? I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice. Oh, now your heart is broken because you have to deny yourself, right? But there's a rejoicing of heart after this self-denial. Now your heart is broken because you have to go against yourself, go against your will. You have to drag yourself, screaming in the right direction. But there is a joy. That's how come the scripture says, weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man doeth. Take it from you. <laughs> you see your joy that was taken away from you before you entered the suffering. The one that you think made you suffer. Eh? That is not proper. That joy can be taken. But why can it be taken? Because of the carnal mind. The carnal mind sets its focus on the things of the world, isn't it? And the things of the world are temporal. They are subject to passing. They are uncertain. Huh? And because of that, that joy can be taken away. And it is taken away from you in what you are calling your suffering. But instead of now then denying yourself in that suffering by rejecting that evil self of yours that had made that worldly thing your joy, you are clinging on to the suffering as you cling on to that worldly thing. But God is saying, no, reject that one. There is proper joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in this joy, no man. <laughs> 
you can enter a certain knowledge, a certain understanding, and they can present all the contrary knowledges in the world against that understanding. And it will not change anything. It will not change anything. It cannot be taken out. You can enter a certain feeling in God and no news, nothing presented against that feeling can affect it. That is what the suffering produces. That's what the suffering produces. And that's the proper kind of suffering. The suffering with a purpose. And in that day, <laughs> which day is that? In the day that your suffering is complete, huh? ye shall do it, ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This one I've explained it. I don't need to go there. But I'm just showing you that it is born out of this sorrow that Jesus was talking about. Concerning Jesus' suffering, the Bible says, he shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, so this is the step that we follow. He didn't do any sin. Guile was not found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Do you see? Right? When we suffer, we have to threaten. We have to heal. Do you see? We have to show some powers. What do you think? Now, that is a sign of self-preservation. But the word of God will tell you, hey, you can't threaten. What do you think? Hey, that's where the suffering is. The real one. You see, this, this is the secret the secret that the enemy will not let you see easily. But if you see it, it will help you. You can shout and do everything in order to ascend, but you will not ascend except through suffering. You know what the Bible says? It said, it behooved him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Huh? In bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus' perfection as the captain of our salvation, it was born out of the fires of suffering. And that suffering is self-denial. It was born out of the fires of suffering. So God's aim was a perfect captain of our salvation, right? Yeah. How is that person going to be made? So Jesus' suffering, it was making him, according to the human, into the perfect captain of our salvation. That's why it's funny to think that his suffering is transferred to you. Especially as the Bible says that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we what? We suffer with him, that we also may be what? Glorified with him. Wow! So what is the end game of suffering? Glory. The Bible talks about it. Peter said concerning the prophets who prophesied concerning Jesus Christ, that they sought to look into it. They sought to understand it when they spoke about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The glory that should what? 
follow. Sufferings of Christ. So the suffering is what allows for the glory to follow, isn't it? So without the suffering, there's no glory. So what is the reason for suffering? That glory may come. How many of you are looking for the glory? We can't pass anywhere except through the wilderness. Except through suffering. And this suffering is the real suffering. Not the one that you suffer for. Somebody doesn't like me. Somebody hates me. Somebody rejected my proposal. Somebody somebody's hoarding my money. Somebody, please. If the person rejected your proposal, what is the next thing? You are going to start thinking certain things to yourself and feeling certain things about yourself. And that's when you stop it. It's almost as though then you're stopping yourself in that case. You are now agreeing with the person to hurt you. Do you understand that? That's the real suffering. To not think well of the person in spite of what the person has done. To not out of your desire for self-exaltation and all this thing about the way you want to see yourself in a big way. You now draw a conclusion out of the suffering the person has caused you. Right? So you make yourself feel better. In this kind of suffering, we don't make ourselves feel better. You see? So you are very sad about person. I say it's because of your pride. It's like frying pan to fire, right? It's like, ah! But that's the thing. And you have to now start recognizing these things about yourself. Because that is where growth is. When you can see that it is because of your pride, and you can now fight this, your pride, that is when the glory comes. That's when the glory comes. That's when the glory comes. Hmm. Searching what? And what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, that's concerning the prophet, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. In Hebrew, it says that who, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So what is the cross? The cross is the pain of having to carry wood behind your back and to suffer the piercings of a nail or some nails, right? How many inches of nails? To suffer such piercings, that's the cross, no? The cross is to deny yourself. Huh? The cross is to put to death this your selfish interest, no matter how it makes you feel. That is a cross. Oh, they called everybody, but they didn't call me. You are suffering from that, right? I'm telling you that that suffering is because of your ego. That suffering is because of your pride. That suffering is because of your selfishness. That suffering has no blessing. It only brings curse. It's your evil self stamping its authority the more in your life. Now that is a time to stop yourself. Onya, Jinaho. Why are you offended? Now you have to, you have to ask yourself questions. So that the evil that is hiding itself and parading itself as I love you and I like you, you know, it will show itself up. Why are you offended? They didn't call yes, but why are you really offended? They don't like me, but why are you offended that they don't like you? Some of you, you think that this is an absurd question. Why shouldn't I be offended if they don't like me? I'm telling you that no, you shouldn't be offended if they don't like you. Because that's what the word of God said. So suffering. Which one will you choose now? If you choose 
to be offended because you think that is more reasonable to you. You despise your training. This is your suffering. You despise, you despise the chastisement of your father, right? But if you give in, so I shouldn't be offended. Then there's something wrong with me. Ah, it's painful to think that about yourself. It's easy to think something's wrong with you when you are sitting in church like this. I can preach you into thinking something is wrong with you, right? I'll preach you, ah, something is wrong. It's easy. But here, this scenario that I'm talking about, that is where you should really be thinking that. Because if you think generally when you sit in church that there's something wrong with you, that's a person that agrees with his evils, but does not agree with any specific evil. So you agree that you're an evil person, but which evil pies with you that makes you think you're an evil person? That's what you must find. Not to just, oh, yeah, you had the boy here for. No, no, I did have born in a way because no one was all fighting. There's no one that said, oh, yeah, you had the boy here for and repented. Haven't you met people like that in your life? They are the same. They are not saying that to change. Anybody who wants to change is looking for exactly what is wrong with them so that they can repent. So the purpose of suffering is glory. Hallelujah. The purpose of suffering is glory. Now, there is another type of suffering. And that is a deeper suffering than this one is when we start becoming spiritual. This suffering that we don't like, that's when we start becoming spiritual. See, so that's the early steps of trying to become spiritual. Do you see? But then you won't say that, hey, then Charlie, who can, who can enter the kingdom? <laughs> That's what the enemy is telling you. Nah. There's something about anything that we do. If we pass the early steps because of the results that we are able to get, that process becomes addictive. Who doesn't like learning? If you don't like it, if you have to learn, is cutting inside your heart. So it's like you're holding your breath, that like you're inside water, you're holding your till exams is over. Like, ah, free at last. Thank God Almighty. Uh-huh. How many of you, when you have to learn, you are very excited? Put up your hand. You're so excited. Wow. Put up your hand. Okay. Now, those that have to drag it, what do you say to these people that are excited? You see, that's one of the things that if you don't like learning, right, it's very difficult for you to believe that learning can be loved to the point where it is enjoyed, right? Yeah. It's very difficult because you see the burden and the weight it places on you. And you feel like, Charlie, how can someone possibly like learning? How can you possibly, when there are other things that you can allow to stop you from learning. You see, what other things you can't? Oh, how can somebody like learning? But someone says they like learning. Why? Why do they like learning? See, they have seen something in learning that you have not seen. Human beings are not stupid. Nobody just likes going to sit somewhere and afflicting themselves. No. If such affliction will be enjoyed, eh, it is because they have tasted of a certain result. And they have found that that result far outweighs the suffering. And Paul said it. The sufferings of this present time, they are not worthy 
to be compared to the glory that shall what? Be revealed in us. Why would somebody want to sit overnight and go through? No, you know when there is exam. So I had a friend in SHS who did mining from Form 1 to Form 3. Straight. Even on Sundays. You get it. How can somebody come to such a place? It is because in the process he has tasted of certain things. So as now you are beginning to think that this is suffering, he is now because of the glory that he sees from day to day. Eh? After each suffering, because of the glory that he sees, he now considers the suffering to be worth it. So in his mind, he does not look at the suffering. He looks at what? The glory. So you may feel like, hey, then this thing there, hey, what will I do? I'm saying that it is because you have not done it. When you do it for a while, you will be looking for something to suffer. Because you know that the next stage, you must suffer something. You must suffer the loss of something. Hallelujah. You must suffer the loss of something. And remember, the loss, you say, oh, then will I lose my job? No, you see, you are carnal. The loss is here. Your selfish self, that is what you must always lose. Hallelujah. So you'll be looking forward to that. And when you are confronted with this suffering of having to lose yourself, when you are confronted with it, at the back of your mind is the feeling that this is the time for the glory. That is why when you gather people to make them soldiers, one of the things that you have to talk to them about is the glory of battle. The benefit of what they are doing. And even the glory of having to die in battle, if need be. It is that glory, that purpose, that makes the battle worth it. That is what will make them run. That's why people like the Vikings, they say if you die in combat holding your sword, there is a high seat for you in heaven. Do you see? Yeah. That glory, that is what makes the battle worth it. Beloved, there is a glory that is waiting for us. But without suffering, this glory will be distant. Amen. Without suffering, this glory will be distant. I pray that the Lord will help us. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 26. It says, Then said he unto them concerning the disciples the Lord met on the road to Emmaus, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That's the question. It means that the aim was that he will enter into glory, right? But the suffering is the means by which he entered into glory. You see, you can search everywhere in the scriptures. Glory comes after suffering. He lowered himself even to the point of dying on the cross, right? Wherefore God had highly exalted him. Wherefore God had highly exalted him. It was not just an arbitrary declaration by God. No. 
It is the process of suffering that qualified him. That's what I'm saying. That the process of suffering is like the woman that is giving your pelvic whatever is opening up. Things are changing within you. The suffering is what is changing you. And what is killing what must die so that God who is life can thrive in you. That's what the suffering does. That's what the suffering does. Therefore, God had highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. We don't obtain things in the spirit just like that. Too. Not laying on of hands, no. Those that receive something in the laying on of hands are those who have been prepared through suffering. Now, if you have zero access into the spirit, what have you suffered? What part of you have you lost? What part of you have you cut and offered? Because you see that it stands in the way. Without suffering, there's no glory. Without suffering, there's no mastery. Anybody that is good at something suffered through the process that made them good. Anybody that can do something suffered through the process that gave them that ability to do it. Because before they were not like that, they needed to go through things. So you see athletes go through a lot of suffering. They go to the beach, they are running, they are dieting, they are not eating some food that everybody is eating. They are denying themselves so that they can run at the Olympics. You see footballers. Everybody that is trying to attain onto a level that they are not will have to go through suffering. And normally it is at the door of suffering that we determine whether we want to become that thing or not. It is at the door of suffering. For the early part of wishing and desiring that we can become. The early part of wishing and desiring that oh, we all want to serve God. We all want to be rich. We all want to be good academically. We all want to go to Europe through Libya. They said on the sea. Some, some people can just start to have a panic attack and they'll jump into the sea and die. There, there that you were having. Didn't you remember you want to get to Europe? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You have to understand. Why are you jumping in? You have given up. The suffering is too much for you. You must stay. You are being hunted by things. The possibility of having to. It's like standing on the Top, uh, maybe uh, about 50 floors and looking down. You say you're afraid of heights, right? What are you afraid of? You're afraid of possibilities. If you can survive those possibilities, you are not dropping. Why are you afraid? Hallelujah. It's a fear that you could drop. So you are sitting in the boat. We are giving up. You think that maybe to jump into a thing is more difficult than to sit in the boat. I'm telling you that to sit in the boat at that time is more difficult because the breath is a curse God and die kind of thing, right? Just give in. Like those that commit suicide, just kill yourself. But if you sit in the boat, you get to Europe. Where do they get to? Spain. You get there. Hallelujah. Yeah. It is always at the door of suffering. That's where we decide. Like, you say, God, I want to serve mastery. I want to serve you. A friend of God, right? 
the friend of the bridegroom is at the door of suffering. That is where you prove your desire. That's why we are not converted by God. I lift your, put your right hand on your chest. Dear Lord Jesus, from today onward, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, no. We decide that at the door of suffering. That's where we choose our master. Where you choose to disown mammon and then you choose Christ. It is at the door of suffering. What you love is what you are willing to suffer for, for the sake of. Yeah. That's what we choose. So we all can say with our mouth that we want to serve God. We want to be anointed by God. We want to be used by God. But it's at the door of suffering. Whether we go through the suffering in order to come out as prime servant of God. Or we will not. That is where the choice is made. And on a daily basis, you are making it. Your access into the spirit realm is denied. It's because on a day-to-day basis, you choose not to suffer. You choose to preserve yourself. You choose to save your life. On a day to you lie to save yourself. You lie. Like, you are doing everything so that this evil man will live. You can't return to church and look up and heaven will open. The ability to see into the heavens, it is through the bind of eye salve. Eye salve, even though it's as if it is put on your eyes, its effect is from within the heart. Hmm. You know what Jesus said to those in Smyrna? He said that he that overcometh, eh, I shall give him the crown of life. The crown of What are you going to overcome? That suffering, what you have to, to go through it successfully. So it's at the door of suffering. That's where we decide. We all can say many things. It's like marriage, right? I do, I do. I did, I did. Will you? Yes. Will you not? <laughs> we do all that. Right? But in the marriage, those who choose to suffer are those who come out successful. Yeah. You don't want to suffer. You, all the glory in marriage will be denied you straight. And some of you already know this. I'm not the one to tell. You already know. When marriage is spoken of, you don't know what your own is. Right? That's because you have not suffered. So it's the other person. <laughs> That's why you have not suffered. That's why it means you have not suffered. You have not chosen to suffer. The time for suffering constantly comes. But you choose to save your life. You choose the place of ease. You choose the place of ease. And in that place of ease, you are becoming worse and worse. You are the place of suffering will deliver you. And it will make you into what God wants you to be. It's on a daily basis. The real decision is at the place where we must suffer for what we have been saying we like. Hallelujah. God commended his love towards us. In that past, we were yet sinners. Christ died. Think about it. That's suffering. He loved us even unto death. Not when we were good towards him. Right? Yeah. So what will you do? The path that will bring you out at the place of glory, you can't escape suffering. And what I've attempted to do is to try to explain to you what suffering is. Now, the other suffering is the suffering that comes after this one. If you, with this kind of suffering, you are trying to obey God 
despite how you feel, right? The way your selfish interest is speaking to you and is reading the matter, you are following the word of God in spite of that. Is that okay? But when you do this for a while, you come to the place where you treasure the word of God. You come to the place where you even treasure the life that the word of God speaks of. Do you get it? You come to that place. There, there is another form of pressure that comes on you. That one too is still through life's activities. But this amount, the pressure is not that you must deal with your ego and deny yourself. The pressure is on taking away from you what you have now come to treasure. Psalm 31 verse 4. He said, pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Now you feel like the enemy is after the good things that you are obtaining in the Lord, the good understanding that you have come to, the good desire that you feel like now your heart is after these good things. The enemy now comes after that one. And the battle is to not give in to the enemy. To not let the enemy take it. So this time it's not like you are denying yourself in the first one. Because in the first one you are using the word of God. You are saying that this is what the word of God says. I'm not going to do it. And there is suffering in it. But in this second suffering, the suffering is in the fear that what is good that you are now obtaining in the Lord, the enemy seeks to steal it. Do you get it? The enemy seeks to steal your mileage in Christ. Your mileage. You see, the enemy is after that one. And that is what you have now come to treasure because of the earlier sufferings. What you are becoming. Now the enemy is after that one. And you fear that the enemy will take it away and accept that the Lord steps in to help you. That's proper temptation. So that's the second suffering. Those who go through the first suffering and don't go through the second suffering are somewhere in heaven. Those who go through the second suffering, they are the celestial angels. There's a reason for that. In the earlier point, it's a battle against what you love. That's the first suffering. In the second suffering, it's a battle for what you love. You see? In the battle against what we love, truth is paramount. In the battle for what we love, love is paramount. Those that understand will understand. But again, normally those that succeed in the first one, they are okay in the second one. Because the second one, that temptation, when you enter that temptation, you will pass. No one is admitted into the second temptation without the possibility of like There's even room that you will not pass. It's not possible. So that's not my point. My case is for us to understand the first temptation. Where we know what suffering is, what suffering truly is. So you don't sit somewhere and feel sorry for yourself and in that process become worse off. But to realize that there that you are feeling sorry for yourself, that thing that is making you feel sorry for yourself, that's what you must fight. And in that fight is your suffering because that is difficult to achieve. Remember, after every suffering is glory. After every suffering is glory. And be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. That's what the church is smiling. They should be faithful unto death, and they will receive the crown of life. Hallelujah.
in spiritual things, you gain credentials through suffering. Suffering is what gives us the badges of honor. Suffering is what allows us to ascend. But is the proper kind of suffering. Now, these kind of sufferings that I've spoken about, you can suffer them even to the point of feeling something in the external. That is also possible. And it's important that we appreciate this so that we will know what God is trying to do. Hallelujah.